the button to record is the hardest part sometimes. Now we're in it. <laughs> You'll carry this along by yourself. <laughs> A one man show this this evening. <laughs> Listen, you had to write two hundred words. Well, you Not- put it like that. Nothing. A theme of tonight. Two hundred words on nothing. <laughs> Two hundred words on nothing. <laughs> if we used quotes as our episode titles, I think that would be perfect. Should we do that? I should just put a little quote in the description every Ooh. every time. That'd be good. There you go. That'd be better. But that is the theme of this evening. I feel like. Well, I hope that y'all aren't Ed and Lorraine Warren fans after all this said and done. Oh, God. I hope you, like, don't think that we're just ridiculing them mercilessly. Is that how you say it? Mercilessly? Mercilessly. I cannot say that word. You got it. (laughs) I got it. Perfect. Because it's within reason, I think. It's not different than what most other people are saying. I think so. I think there was a time where people were like, oh, yeah, they're the best. But then we slowly kind of learned. Through, oh, yeah, they're the worst. Yeah, through the help of cancel culture, which I'm not usually a fan of. But when it comes to these two, I get it. <laughs> All they have to do is just not preach it as truth, you know? Yeah, they didn't have to just prey on vulnerable families to make stories and money and just and then be holier than thou about it. I'm just saying. Oh, by the way, this is Haunted or Hoax. Yes. And I am Kristen. And I am Jennifer. And we're kind of coming to a head with all this Ed and Lorraine case stuff with probably the most, I would say, stretch of them all. We've stretched out a lot over the last month, but this, I think, kind of epitomizes what their influence meant. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, the consequences of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Though I did really like this movie. The movie was good. So this, today, we are talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah, we should tell you <laughs> what we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about the case of Arnie Cheyenne Johnson. Otherwise the known Dev- as the The Devil Made Me Do It case. Right, right. And the inspiration for the conjuring three yes oh you can really hear him okay should i put my blocker back on yeah i think so because i couldn't hear him at all when you had it on oh my you know why with the podcast all right folks let's make that a little bit better because i was not using the right microphone until oh wow wow there we go there we go sounding sultry once again and we haven't here we are (laughs) no it's gonna be a doozy so tell me all about this case Kristen. all right well i'm gonna tell you all the demonic bits and i got pretty much all of my stuff from wikipedia i will kind of let you listen to the exorcism clip a little bit later but basically this whole story center centers around Arnie Cheyenne Johnson and his girlfriend, Debbie Glatzel's little brother, David. Their story goes that there 
paranormal activity began after they went and cleaned up a rental property that they had just acquired. Debbie and David's family did. Mm-hmm. Uh, David has said that an old man appeared to him pushing and terrifying him. And the couple initially thought that David was using the excuse of an old man as an excuse to avoid cleaning, which I would do. (laughs) (laughs) But David informed informed them that the old man vowed to harm the Glatzels if they moved into the rental home. The visions of the old man uh, continued to appear to David, including uh, the man appearing as a demonic beast who muttered Latin and threatened to steal his soul. With which, like, yikes. If in that case, yeah. I would just go ahead and clean. But if it's just an old man like yelling at me, I have old men yelling at me all the time at my job. <laughs> so... But if they turned into a demonic beast and started yelling Latin at me, then I might think twice. Just saying. I would just leave. Yeah. I mean, it's a rental. I don't know. Like, I don't know if it was like they were cleaning it up to to live in while they fixed up and then they were going to rent it out or they were just renting this house. If they were just renting this house, just rent somewhere else. Yeah. If it was like a investment property, I could understand like feeling like you have to be locked in. But uh the family allegedly heard strange noises coming from the attic but no one but david ever witnessed this old man he experienced night terrors exhibited strange behavior and obtained unexplained scratches and bruises much like the conjuring one's house the mother would often get unexplained bruises and scratches mm-hmm The family called upon the services of a Catholic priest who attempted to bless the house. There is a interview with Ed and Lorraine Warren that I won't get much into because they kind of reiterate just all this stuff, but they claim that this priest is the one that contacted and reached out to them to come help with David's case. Right. The family, I guess, finally were like, you know what? This house is evil and maybe we should get out of here <laughs> after his David's visions worsened and started occurring in the daytime. And then 12 days after the original like incident of him having this daytime demonic vision, that is when I guess this priest reached out and asked self-proclaimed, it says, demonologist Ed and Lorraine Warren to help them lorraine allegedly witnessed a black mist materialize next to david which as we all know means a demon's afoot of course of course debbie and her mother told the warrens that they had seen david being beaten and choked by elizabeth (laughs) by elizabeth Elizabeth taylor lizzie borden came and was was like you know what um no, he was beaten and choked by invisible hands and that red marks appeared on his neck afterward. David had started to growl, hiss, speak in otherworldly voices and recite passages from the Bible or Paradise Lost. Those aren't the same. <laughs> Not the same at all, which is kind of confusing. This demon um, not only will 
be fine with reciting Bible passages, but also really likes Paradise Lost. You know, he's a well-rounded, well-rounded, demon. <laughs> well-read. Um, the Glatzels recounted how each night a family member would remain awake with David as he suffered through spasms and convulsions. After receiving a prognosis of multiple possessions from the Warrens, uh, I can't remember how many it supposedly were. It was it was a lot. The demons like were in the forties. Like, yeah, it was crowded in there. Um, standing room only in little David's body. And please bring these. your own book to recite. Right, you know, one's got a Bible, one's got Paradise Lost, one's just quoting Beetlejuice. Somebody has Rainbow Fish on repeat at all times. <laughs> one has if you give a mouse a cookie, and one eat one demon reads one part each. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's like just regular open mic there for a while. Uh, <laughs> reading Stop original- reading to me. <laughs> I just want to watch TV. But Uh, you're so good at doing different voices. (laughs) The Warrens uh, then subjected David to three quote-unquote lesser exorcism. And I think that, like, I don't know what gave the Warrens a power to just, like, do exorcisms. I don't think it was the church. Well, I just want to know what kind of priest decides to reach out to a demonologist to help him with, like, when the expert is reaching out to someone else, it kind of makes me question the expert. Yeah, and I'm just like, I don't understand why Ed and Lorraine. Like, I under, I guess, like, they're the well-known ones, but, like... Wouldn't you reach out to, like, another priest? Or, yeah. or someone the church? higher up in the church? Yeah. yeah. I, or I'd be like, who do you recommend? Because I bet it's not Lorraine and Ed. Edward. <laughs> um. Lorraine asserts that David was levitated. He ceased breathing for a time and even demonstrated supernatural ability of precognition, which I guess is like, you know, seeing things before they happen, psychic sort of ability. Future telling. Yeah. Specifically in relation to the manslaughter, uh, Arnie Johnson would allegedly later commit in the year of 1980 around october the warrens contacted brookfield police apparently to warn them of the situation becoming dangerous according to eyewitness testimony which i assume is ed and lorraine warren because it was just them and the glatzels supposedly in these exorcisms with arnie there as well arnie johnson supposedly coerced one of the demons purportedly within david to possess him while participating in david's exorcisms don't Um, do that don't do that don't be like hey you know what this looks like fun come and read to me go to your library instead you can read all on your own sir you don't need the demons to help you Um, i'm gonna pause right there just because i'll give you just a little bit of a taste of the exorcism I'll put it on Instagram. We've learned that my microphone doesn't like it when I hold things up to the no. up to it. So it I likes just personal space. The comments. It's like a regular mass. I mean, yeah. There's a lot of comments in the YouTube video that's just you know, no bad energy listening to this audio. I'm just it's rebuking. Like a, 
I mean, when you listen to the recording, it is very disturbing. You can hear like the actual emotion of like not like you can it's disturbing to hear David. Obviously, some of the stuff is really like makes my stomach turn. Like this mm-hmm. is I'm coming out of a a child, a boy. Um, but also like you can hear like the frantic nature of you can kind of hear Arnie Johnson and then you can hear Debbie and then his mother especially. So it's very like they truly believed that right. he was possessed. And yeah. you can tell it's not just like I'm going to pretend my son's possessed for like money and fame. Like they truly thought that there was a problem. And you can hear it in those tapes. And just to follow the YouTube videos, we claim no negative energy from listening to that recording. And if I put it on Instagram, the same goes for all of you. <laughs> it's a lot like uh, some of the videos that you see of Robert Badal. We're not talking about that. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> uh, you're never, you guys are never going to get that story out of us. No. So, <laughs> um, so basically during one of these sessions that you just listened to, uh, Arnie Johnson coerces one of the demons to um take him basically i guess in an act of like you know he's trying to help there's a there's a show called a haunting which i feel like we've all kind of seen episodes of right now that do an episode on this case and it kind of has a different take much like the conjuring three i feel like on what happens during arnie johnson's possession different from what people describe actually happened in like articles and through interviews and stuff according to the show a few days after he told this demon to hop right on in um he was attacked rather viciously by the demon which allegedly took control of his car and forced it into a tree johnson was reportedly unharmed after this incident he returned to the rental property to examine an old well that supposedly housed the demon and that's when the I thought girl the demon from was... the ring came out. I thought the demon was in his body. It's, that's what I thought too. But apparently, according to the haunting, uh, haunting the show, he went to the old well that was supposedly the house of the demon. Maybe he just visits Johnson's body. I don't know. But now all I can see is the demon actually being the girl from the ring coming out of the well. Coming into his room occasionally and reading my bedtime story. Yes. Her hair all in her face. She has to like part with one and to look with one eye a soggy string of it just plops down on the page deer everywhere in in both the show version and his personal account arnie said that this was his final encounter with the demon while completely lucid like he encountered the demon at the well it doesn't go into like detail of like detail of what happened besides him making eye contact with it and then he doesn't really have like a lot of lucid memories after that the warrens claim to have warned him not to do this of course because you know they're like we told him don't go to the well and make eye contact no, don't do that but tell us what happens so that we can put it in our book right we want to make money off of you but don't come crying to us if you do something bad which he did at the same time that this happened, David's condition worsened further. Debbie and Arnie, who had been living with her mother and David, decided it was time to move. Debbie was ha- hired by a man named Alan, 
as a dog groomer and she and Arnie began renting an apartment close to the, her job. And after moving in, Johnson started to exhibit odd behaviors that was strikingly similar to David's and it caused Debbie to fear that he had become possessed as well. Debbie said that Arnie would fall into a trance-like state where he would growl and hallucinate but later have no memory of it. Mm. Arnie and Debbie gave their accounts firsthand on this episode of A Haunting and said that the Glatzels, Debbie and David's father, was the main eyewitness to everything that would happen that would happen so i'm gonna kind of stop a little bit right there because basically arnie continued to decline as far as like his hallucinations and his memory became his memory loss became more frequent and in 1981 he committed this crime which i think you'll have all the more detail about uh but he basically killed alan debbie's boss and said that he was under the influence of this demonic possession that he was not lucid he was growling like an animal he was having hallucinations and the demon inside him convinced him that he had to kill Alan. So that is basically the overview and some of the haunting ghost demonic possession background of how he got to that point. It started with David. He kind of got big puffy chested and said, I'm going to take on one of these demons. And then the demon took him over and caused him to do this. Right. I don't have very much on what happened to David. It never really explains whether he got over his demonic possession or if he felt like he was expelled from demons after this three light exorcisms that Ed and Lorraine performed. Uh, I'm assuming I never read that he succumbed to his possession, like anything happened to him negatively. Um, so I'm assuming that he's all right, but I'm I'm not sure. Either way, I feel like you're gonna be in therapy for years and years after something like this happens. So right. So yeah, but that's all I got for you. I will put on the Instagram a clip from the and the, I'll link the actual interview on YouTube with Ed and Lorraine because if you want to see them and t- let listen to them talk about it, then they go into a little bit more personal detail about how they became involved and everything like that. Lorraine's just really long-winded to me and I just can't follow her storytelling train. Um, So I kind of nope out after a few minutes (laughs) with her. And then I'll also link the, the uh, clip from the actual exorcism of David, but there really isn't, it's like, it's all eyewitness testimony. You do have that recording, but it's not like uh, they don't ever give a really specific name for the old man. And I guess the old man probably just didn't really ever exist. If there was like 40 demons inside of him, maybe it was just, uh, you know, demons pretend to be other people all the time. Right. 
according to lore. So it could be that the old man just never existed in the first place. I don't know the history behind the rental house. So that's it. <laughs> well, I'll kind of go into it. After okay, perfect. Are you interested in stories of ghosts, poltergeists, and the paranormal? Do you love an amazing tale of an unsolved mystery, a strange disappearance? How about a UFO encounter, or even a first-hand sighting of a creature that should only exist in your nightmares? Why not join us over at the Haunted UK podcast, where every two weeks we delve deep into the tales of the strange and unusual, the unsolved and the downright weird. The Haunted UK podcast is available on all major platforms, as well as being on Instagram and Coffee. So why not give us a follow and get involved with the show? Thanks for listening, and we really hope that you'll join us for our next episode. And on that note, it's back to the show. Are we ready? We are ready. All right. Let's just get into it. Let's do it. So Arnie worked as a, I mean, everything you said was like what happened. The Glatzels went to this house, tried to clean it, all of that stuff. Like, like it did happen. Okay. I do have a background on some of that though. And I do have what happened to the Glatzels, like where they're at cool. right now. Awesome. But let's just get into the murder. So on February 16th, 1981, Arnie called in sick to his job at the Wright Tree Service. He was a tree surgeon. Really? Ooh, he sewed limbs together. <laughs> anyway, so, like so Arnie joined Debbie at the kennel along with his sister Wanda and Debbie's nine-year-old cousin, Mary. And like you okay. said, Alan Bono, he owned the kennel where they worked. <laughs> he bought the group lunch at a local bar and then they all proceeded to drink pretty heavily um i'm on mostly on wikipedia but then there's also a radiotimes.com article um that goes into it and then an i95rock.com article that i guess they like shared drone footage of the house um where david allegedly got possessed and in the I-95 Rock article, the news director from that radio station covered the case for the trial. And so he had some, like, background knowledge. He spoke to the waitress who served all of them that day, and she stated that they were cut off because they had all had too much to drink. Mm, interesting. So after they were sent home... They returned to the kennel at about 6.30 in the evening. It, Wikipedia says that Debbie took the girls to get pizza, but then they returned quickly because she was like thinking something was going to go wrong. When they got back, Alan was agitated. Everybody left after Debbie told them that they needed to leave, except Alan. Alan grabbed Mary and refused to let go. The nine-year-old. Yes. <sighs> According to the I-95 article, he grabbed her by the arm. He spoke to Debbie Glatzel and also Arnie's three little sisters who were also there and saw this happened. So Alan grabbed one of the girls by their arms and he wouldn't let them go. 
Arnie came back and told him to let go of the nine-year-old. So then when he finally did let her go, Mary ran to the car and Debbie was trying to like calm everything down between the two guys. Arnie then tried or Arnie started growling like an animal. This was stated to the police. Right. He drew a five-inch pocket knife and stabbed Alan repeatedly. In one report, I saw over 20 times. A five-inch pocket knife. With a five-inch pocket knife. Mm. Just crazy. That's a, a lot of rage. Yeah. And Alan Bono died several hours later. This one says, according to Arnie Johnson's lawyer, Alan had suffered four or five tremendous wounds, mostly to his chest, and one that stretched from his stomach to the base of his heart. Arnie was then discovered two miles from the site of the killing and was held at Bridgeport Correctional Center. It was the first unlawful killing in the history of Brookfield, Connecticut. Mm. Unlawful killing is an odd term for me. So Alan did die that day? Yes. Okay. Well, he said several hours later, so it could have technically been the next day, but it would have been within 24 hours. Mm. So after that, Arnie was arrested, tried for murder. His lawyers pled that he was guilty by reason of demonic possession. So his defense states that he was being tormented by a demon. His girlfriend's family sought help from the Catholic Church and also from demonologist Ed and Lorraine Warren who performed four minor rites of exorcism to expel the 42 demons allegedly contained in David's body. During one of those exorcisms, Arnie challenged the demons to enter him instead. Not long after, he stabbed Alan Bono to death, even though he had no prior criminal record, which I don't really go behind that. You can go and buy a gun with no criminal record and then decide to shoot people, as we have seen. So just because you don't have a criminal record doesn't mean that you're not going to do anything in the future. It just means that you haven't done anything yet and you also haven't gotten caught yet. Exactly. Martin Manella, who was Johnson's defense attorney, cited two British court cases that had permitted a defense based on possession by demons. But Judge Robert Callahan said no, stating such assertions could not be scientifically or objectively, objectively proven by evidence. So his lawyer argued self-defense instead. The jury found Arnie guilty of first-degree manslaughter on November 24th, 1981. He received a sentence of 10 to 20 years, which he served by for for good behavior and then was let out. Hmm. In 2006, the Warren's book on the case was reissued. And the other another Glatzel brother sued for damages calling the occult claims a phony story to get rich and famous at our expense. Mm. That's where I want to go into what happened to the Glatzel family. This is from radiotimes.com. So David Glatzel kind of fell off the radar. He's stayed very quiet, but his brother Carl Jr. I wonder if he makes good sandwiches. (laughs) Has spoken to the press um, and stated that David's doing well and has moved on from the alleged mental health issues that Carl claims he suffered from as a child. So it looks like the family actually ended up taking a stance that it was mental health issues and not a demonic possession afterwards. Well, I mean, that makes more sense. I'm just saying. 
In 2007, David and Carl filed a lawsuit against Brittle and Ed and Lorraine Warren for unspecified financial damages. Financial damages. Gerald Brittle is the Brittle that is referenced. He wrote The Devil in Connecticut in 1983 with the assistance of Lorraine Warren. Uh, Lorraine did state that the profits from the book were shared with the family, and they state that the family made a whole $2,000 from the book. So like I said, they filed a lawsuit against Brittle and, and Lorraine Warren and Warren for unspecified financial damages. They sued the publisher and authors for violating their privacy, libel, and intentional infliction of emotional distress. Yeah. In response to that, Gerald claimed his books were based on fact, and he had interviewed the Glatzel family for more than 100 hours and had video evidence of it. Lorraine also said that the six priests who had performed exorcism on David all agreed he had been possessed. Six? <laughs> A lot of priests. I don't know. How did that lawsuit end? Hmm. So it turns out that the case was ultimately dismissed, but Gerald Brittle said the book, The Devil in Connecticut, was taken out of print after the after the lawsuit. Well, that's probably smart. I do see where, like, the lawsuit could be a little bit shaky just because, like, they do have all the recordings. It's like, at the time, the Glatzels had let the Warrens into their home and were going along with these exorcisms so mm -hmm. it's not like the warrens did it anything against their will yeah this says that the warrens were invited by the glatzels to come and see david when he was a child and let them carry out an exorcism though there had been attempts to exorcise david before then at the time it seemed like the family really believed that david was possessed though later david's father claimed this wasn't true then why would you let them in your house <laughs> right well i'm sure like at the time it was the 80s, so they were, like, in the midst of satanic panic plus all of these demonic stories yeah. being publicized. But then as you, as psychological education grew, they were like, oh, well, maybe my son is just sick and not possessed by a demon. Yeah, but then you can't turn around and claim that you never believed that was going on. No. You just need to own up that it was. It was well, I think that's considered. what that's what they were saying was that mm. like now we see that it is a mental illness but then right. the point they go on to say that when lorraine warren and gerald brittle wrote the book the devil in connecticut it kind of stressed put stress on the family mm. carl spoke out against the book and its version of events that were republished back in 2006 saying that it was a complete lie he also said the Warrens concocted a phony story about demons in an attempt to get rich and famous at our expense. Mm. He claimed the family were promised they'd become millionaires off the back of the story. Gotcha. Later, the Warrens confirmed that the family were paid $2,000 from the book. $2,000? Right. What a ripoff. I'd sue because of that. Like, not because, like, oh, they, they're not telling the truth. It's because they used my name and they didn't give me the money. So it looks like um, Carl and his brother David have obviously distanced themselves from the events and the movie itself. Carl is working as a contractor and is happily married. David's sister, Debbie, maintained that David and Arnie were possessed by a demon after the event. She went on to marry Arnie while he was in prison for manslaughter, and they had two children together. Like I said, Arnie was let out 
after serving five years. He was allowed in 1986, and Debbie passed away a few years later after battling cancer. Well, I mean, I think that also it could that could be just her way of coping, you know? Like something, like she married this guy, and she was so in love with him, and to see him do something so heinous, you have to have like an excuse of how the person that you thought you were in love with could do such a thing. Mm-hmm. So I can understand why she would cling to the belief that they were possessed. This but goes on to end that Arnie, they're not sure what else, like they aren't sure exactly what happened with him, but it's said that he's working as a landscaper and that oh, no. Arnie and <laughs> Arnie and Debbie were both involved with the movie and they continuously backed the story. So you mean his license as a tree surgeon was revoked after he went to prison? No, he's still sewing limbs back together. Oh, okay. Well, good. He leaves no witnesses. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that also doesn't surprise me. Because I was wondering, I was like, well, if the rest of the family is so against and like brought a lawsuit against the Warrens, why would they ever make this Conjuring 3 movie? But if it's Arnie's story mainly, Mm -hmm. because they really do gloss over David's part. It's mainly mainly just in the beginning. I just hate this like make money quick scheme that continuously happens. And the the only people that seem to get rich from it are the Warrens. Yeah. Isn't that funny how like they seem to put all, all these families through like mental and emotional trauma and they are the ones that profit from it mm-hmm. i mean i guess it's not totally surprising for charlatans but it looks like carl did write a book titled alone through the valley which talk about like it has his versions of events mm. of the events that happened but yeah that's like my questions are would the would this whole situation with arnie and alan have happened still if this whole demon possession thing hadn't been a thing like they never exercised david they never talked about this demon thing would he still have would that did that was that a catalyst leading up to this or would he have always killed alan i guess it's like you can't ever know but it's just interesting. no and i guess it depends on if you believe that the demon really didn't make him do it his body yeah people kill people all the time without being possessed by demons this is true just the dedication and the passion that goes into a pocket knife stabbing multiple times to kill somebody is a lot and i also wonder like okay so they were like not guilty or guilty but because of demon possession but they didn't try insanity I mean, he said that he was having memory gaps. So, I mean, you could spin it that he was schizophrenic or something and having hallucinations. But maybe that would have ended with a longer sentencing instead of saying the devil made him do it. Yeah. Or like in a mental facility and he didn't want to go there. Mm. So instead they went with self-defense. Which, I mean, if he was really holding on to the little girl's arm for not and preventing them from leaving for some reason but still usually in self-defense you're just getting in there to get away not 
letting loose your frustrations. Yeah, exactly. It's hard for me. It 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 would be hard for me to be like, oh, this obviously is not a possession if David was maintaining his end. But this all started with him. And if he's even saying, like, pulling away and really kind of just following his other family member's lead and being like, it wasn't, I was mm-hmm. mentally ill, then it's like, for me, David has to be possessed for Arnie to be possessed. Right, because that is the idea. So if David is saying he was now mentally ill and he wasn't crowded by 40 eager beaver reading demons, then I have a hard time believing Arnie is. So I don't know. The logic's just not there, which is like the case for a lot of Ed and Lorraine cases. Yeah. You have to make it make sense just a little bit. You have to show me pictures. And I do it. I do appreciate the recording in this in this that I found. And it is a unsettling recording. Very. But who's to say that this this kid didn't experience this exorcism and then just try to fall back on it later on when he made a bad choice as a intoxicated individual? True. Yeah, I mean, exorcisms are very like emotionally try trying and like exhausting for everyone in the room i have never been in an exorcism however you know you hear those sorts of mm-hmm. stories and everything it's like it's very taxing for everybody in the room so it's not like i'm saying he didn't have an experience because watching your girlfriend's little brother in pain and being like not himself it's scary yeah so it totally could have affected him in some negative way Mm -hmm. i think that people should be glad that ed and lorraine are no longer investigating there's nobody in their footsteps investigating really except for i think you know we know his the wife's I mean, the daughter's husband is... Well, I don't think... Like, I don't have a problem with investigating. And I don't have a problem with talking about it and, like, the potential. But it's when you start making it, like, a money-making, attention-grabbing scheme. Well, that's what I mean. They're not, like... You don't see Ed and Lorraine's daughter and her husband, like, like going around in an RV doing these sorts of investigations now. Right. Or, like, making a making a production out of it right they don't have their own show where they're like going Mm -hmm. around like other people we know (laughs) but even even zach bagans is not like i don't know he's not exploiting the families right he's not like dragging people out of their beds and being like let's experience this exorcism let's like put your whole life on the big screen and give them your name and address and just kind of mm-hmm. like and just like make you a sideshow for a while and mostly zach Bagans is going to places where it's like pretty well known to be haunted or like buildings that are already giving tours and stuff right i'm glad that this is the last one me too i'm glad that you guys all stuck in for <laughs> all of these in the beginning i was like kind of excited Mm-hmm. 
And now I'm just tired. <laughs> and deflated. And disappointed. I thought one of these would have a le- like a true legitimate thing to them. No. Well, we're breaking we're breaking the cycle. What are we doing next week? Next week we're going to Wisconsin, right? But Iowa. But Iowa, but Wisconsin. Mhm. Don't ask me to spell it because I can't. Iowa or Wisconsin? Both. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk turkey. What's your sage moment? <laughs> Sage is something that you can put in your turkey this Thanksgiving. You could could try it. Um, Actually, just really entertain your family and put sprigs of sage around the turkey and then light them and let them know that you're you're smudging the turkey before you eat it. You're you're, you're cleansing it of all of its negative feeling. Um, And then read it a book. (laughs) Read it. Uh, green eggs and ham or something uh <laughs> uh my stage moment i guess we're gonna do things that we're thankful for because this is gonna come out right before thanksgiving and i am obviously thankful to be doing this podcast with you this is like still the highlight of my week <laughs> because mostly we talk for three hours before we have to record <laughs> so <laughs> like a little weekly catch up right now we're Um, coming up on five hours (laughs) it's been a solid solid saturday no but i'm thankful for a lot of things that have happened last year i had my surgery and it's really helped with the quality of my life and i'm very thankful that i was able to do that um i'm thankful for my friends and family i'm thankful for my husband I have a very, I was just reflecting romantically on my life while cleaning my kitchen today. And I do really have a solid, wonderful life. And I'm just thankful. I don't think that 16 year old me would have imagined where I am today, but she would be very happy about it. So I'm just thankful to be here in the moment. So that's a lot to be thankful for. I know. I'm just a thankful person. I'm thankful that you're here in the moment too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I am what? thankful that you have been in the moment for over 20 years. Yes. Of my life. I appreciate you. Hmm. I'm also thankful for this podcast because it is also what I look forward to at the end of every week. <laughs> <laughs> it's like and a it reward. feels weird. Yeah. <laughs> it feels weird when we don't talk. Like, it's like, oh, well, can we just like not record, but still like hop on Zoom real quick? Which is like always. <laughs> yeah. Um, Always thankful for my family. I have been incredibly blessed with the family that I have. It's just, I always say that they're abnormally normal because they're just so great. <laughs> thankful for my little family at home, my husband my dogs, my cat. It's just, like you said, an all-around solid life yes. that I think our younger selves would be very proud of. Very different oh. from what I would have imagined for myself, but yes. still very excited to have. I'm also thankful for the, that this semester is almost over. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. Get Rounding yourself a bend. winter break. Mm-hmm. And that's that's it. 
we're just living good lives, I think. I think so. And you know what? Hopefully they continue. (laughs) Yeah. And we hope that y'all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Get to spend some time with some people that really add to your lives. Right. Even if you don't like celebrate with a dinner or anything, I hope that you do have the day off of work and you get to spend it with people that you care about or have a nice self-care day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't have anybody that you're thankful for, that's fine. Be thankful for yourself because you're important. Uh, Exactly. And if this week you want to say what you're thankful for on our Instagram, when I post the caption and pictures for this episode you can go right ahead that would be awesome yes and we will see y'all next tuesday see ya Bye. bye thanks for listening as always we love getting suggestions from you guys be sure to send us your recommendations of stories to cover locations to visit ghost tours to go on and all that good stuff you can send it to haunted or hoax pod at gmail.com or dm us on social Yeah, you can find all of our links to social as well as episodes and blogs on our website, hauntedorhoax.com. And if you feel like helping us out, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or just drop us a few stars on Spotify. Bye. Bye.